Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the Raptors 2K podcast brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. I am Phil Visu, and of course, joined by my man, Shane. Shane, been a little while, but we're back in the seat. How are you feeling, my guy? Hey, man, good to reconnect with you uh, since recording episode one a few weeks back. Uh, yep. You know, I- I'll tell you, uh, I was nervous, uh, episode one. I- I've done a lot of content and live streams for Raptors Uprising, and I already explained last time, I was like, it was a crazy week for us. It was like the busiest week right. of our season, and we've been shooting content till late night, like three nights prior, and I didn't get a lot of sleep. And so I was like, I'm going to go for a run, and went for a run right before and was just sweating buckets. But, but... <laughs> I got the edit this morning and I gave it a listen right before this. And I got to tell you, I, you know, I don't want to pump our tires. You know, okay. I want to say like, I definitely don't know, uh, you know, what I'm doing here. I'm a, I'm a new podcast co-host. I think it's, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I think it's listenable. I think it, I think we had some good moments. I think there was some good oh, yeah. advice, uh, you know, for the community out there, for people aspiring to get into uh, esports careers. You know, you and I both gave a breakdown of our kind of origin stories. Uh, and then I think the guys were great. They told some, some funny stories, some, you know, stories I don't think people have heard before, honestly, about that whole Still yeah. Trill team winning the 250K tournament. So, you know, kudos to you. You're definitely the one keeping us on track and playing that pro host <laughs> role, which is why we brought you into the show. Thank you, my friend. I, I'm trying, uh, I guess, to, to make it do what it do, essentially, uh, is what I'm here for. And the fact that we get to order food from Uber Eats is pretty sick. I, I can't I can't complain about that, right? No, you, you can't complain about that. Shout out Uber Eats. You know, this whole podcast is possible because of them. So every episode, Phil and I are going to order something for lunch. Uh, and then when the lunch arrives, that is going to cue the end of our conversation. Uh, Phil, what are you getting today? Well, I think last time I went with sushi, if I'm not mistaken. Today, I got tacos queued up. I'm not going to mm. tell you guys where, okay? I got some tacos queued up. I will tell you what, though. The uh, the fish tacos, I'm a big fan. California <laughs> life has actually just made me such a fan of, like, Hispanic and Asian food. Like, even greater than it ever was before. So, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, so I know you're on a health tip. So uh, are those going to be fried fish tacos, or is that going to be grilled fish? We'll we'll leave that out of the podcast. Let's, let's, it might be a, it might <laughs> be a cheat day. day. It might be All a right. cheat day. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna go with actually this one just popped up recently for me on Uber Eats. It's this amazing Italian sandwich shot. You know what I love about Uber Eats? And I was saying last time I ordered from a, a jerk place kind of close to me because I knew I'd get a yeah. quick delivery. But um, what I love about Uber Eats is you get to find those spots in the neighborhoods that you don't live in. You know, so like I'm sure that mm-hmm. this Italian restaurant, like I'm just picturing it in my head that it's some like small mom and pop shop. You know, it's probably very well known in the suburbs around it, but I'm like a good 10, 15 minutes away and I've never heard of it. And uh, I ordered it for the first time last week. Absolutely delicious. So I think I'm going to okay. go with uh, with uh, an Italian sandwich. And that is a good cue to mention the Uber Eats Pass, uh, the Uber Pass. So I get free delivery. I get reduced service fees, um, you know, plus ride perks. Uh, you can get delivery on restaurants and groceries groceries as well. And this month, September, they're partnering with Aeroplan. So you can actually get a free subscription to the Uber Pass uh, through your Aeroplan card or associated credit card. Ooh, so if you're okay. an Aeroplan member, make sure you check that out. I do like the way they're kind of keeping things fresh. You know what I'm saying? Kind of tickling your mind bone, if you will. So that's definitely shouts to Uber Eats again. Appreciate them a lot. But 
you know what? You kind of said it best. Like we're going to order the food and then when the food arrives, it's kind of our cue to get out of here. So we have a lot to get through today. So let me break down the episode for you. We got my man Dirk, one of the OGs of the NBA 2K League. He is here to discuss well, a lot of things, pretty much everything 2K related because we got to recap season four. We got to recap the playoffs and then the eventual finals, which took place, which saw the Wizards going back to back as champions. And of course, we're gonna discuss NBA 2K22, which I'm sure everyone's excited for. There's leaks, there's speculation. We're gonna get into all that good stuff, but we can't get into it without the man himself, the man of the hour. I'm gonna step away and let Shane do the pleasure. Yeah, so a huge show. Dirk is one of my favorite people in the league. He knows that, uh, you know, goes way back to season one. He was one of the first guys I would hang out with kind of outside of the broadcasts and around New York City. Hilarious dude. Uh, you know, he plays many personas. He's got all these different personas, um, you know, that across, you know, who he is on stream, who he is on Twitter. Uh, he's the, the CEO of the Sad Boys. He's Dirk Shady right now with his blonde hair. I uh, was talking to me before telling me, you know, blondes have more fun and he needed a summer of Dirk. Uh, so without further ado let's bring in a main man dirk the caster the voice of the nba 2k league alongside our good friend scott cole dirk, dirk what's, going wow. on, buddy? what's up here. guys and you I brought know. your mustache of course the mustache is always going to be here the shorter blonde hair now after the finals is here too but we're not we're not going to get into that okay fair enough fair enough well how have you been buddy what's going on are you back home are you still still cooling it in dallas uh, I, I mean, I wish I was still in Dallas, but unfortunately, <laughs> I'm 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 in Byron, Illinois. Uh, you know, tiny, tiny farm town. Not happy to be back, but I, I mean, my dogs are here, so like that's 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 all I care about, right? So I'm I'm back that's home, with my dogs. It, it sucked being away from them for two weeks. So listen, um, you know, last podcast we were just about to head into the ticket. Um, you know, this podcast uh, we're recording just after the finals, and so that's going to be a lot of what we talk about before we start talking about 2K22. But I, I think we got to address the elephant in the room because the last podcast we were given uh, a breakdown of our team uh, and mm -hmm. the big trade we had just made to bring in Dimes. And you know, week one, everyone knows the story now. Dimes, you know, drives from Dallas, gets to the house 45 minutes before game time, and we go out and just absolutely pop off. And then you know. Again, and sweep another you know great playoff team uh, the next two days later on the Friday, um, and then we got humbled by the Grizz in our final regular season match. But we were still feeling really good going into the ticket, and uh, and obviously you know for those who've been paying attention, things didn't work out for us in the ticket. It was a it was a kick in the teeth to say the least. We came out, uh, we you know uh, really you know ran our game against the Heat uh, in Game One, got a big win you know by a significant margin. Game two, we came out and, uh, we, you know, first quarter was a bit of a mess. Um, I wasn't nervous, though, and I've said this in other content. Like, I saw what we were trying to do, and, and the plays weren't converting, but we were playing mm -hmm. with confidence. We were, you know, we were letting them hang, and we had a lot of swagger, um, and it just, it just wasn't converting for us in that first quarter, and we really clawed our way back, and we made it a close second game. And then game three was the opposite, where we came out, we were in control for three quarters, and then we just had, like, the most epic fourth quarter collapse in an elimination game in a season when we really needed to prove that we had, you know, made the right moves to turn things around. So we were eliminated by the Heat in the first round of the ticket. And I want to start with Dirk, you know, by saying, you know, just as I said on the last podcast, this is not a Raptors propaganda podcast. These are honest stories and truthful takes. Uh, and I'll always defend my team and their honor. But I want to hear from you, Dirk, like break down our season for the listeners. You know, you and Scott are some of the best minds in the game and you watch every single game, literally. So, you know, from your perspective, like 
where did we go wrong? You know, we, were we really as bad as our record showed? You know, who was playing well, who wasn't playing well? What was the potential of the team once we brought dimes in? You know, had we maybe had a little bit of a longer runway? And, and again, I want your honest answer on this stuff. You know, I mean, think, I think for me it was kind of shocking because one, season three, I didn't expect you guys to come out the way you did uh, and be as dominant as you were. Like, I know that Kenny put so much work into the game, right? That was the year that he was grinding for Legend, if I'm not mistaken. So it translated coming into the next season. Like, he just knew every nuance and, and every single little detail about the game, whether, you know, it's from playing Park and the record going into Pro-Am. So season three was like, okay, this is, this is awesome, right? You know how much I love you, the organization, how you run things thing so seeing like you get that success so season four i was like cool like now this is kind of established they're going to be one of the top teams in the league and it was the way it came out i mean defense is always the biggest thing every single year that's why you guys are so good in season three you ran that you know the unorthodox style press that just got kenny up there in steals per game that had timely they're what number one and two i think uh, in steals per game in season three and that was a big way of how they scored and then being able to get defense in the half court and transitioning this year and next gen, like the movement system, I just don't think played into the favor of how you guys played your style of defense because nobody was really having success anymore running that press. There was a few people, maybe you could get some bump steals here and there, but there wasn't as much consistency. So for me, I think the biggest issue, which is crazy because you guys traded for type and I always sit there, type always calls himself to self-proclaimed like defensive player of the year since season one. Like he felt like, <laughs> and that, that wasn't Walnut. He had it in his bio for the longest time. He probably still has it in his bio that he's defensive player of the year. Year. So I thought with him coming in and time uh, putting that with timely, I was like, this is going to be like unstoppable. Uh, this yep. is going to be you know a really fierce thing to deal with. And I think that's the thing I got away from it. I said it like so many times on broadcast that offense was never my worry for you guys ever. I was like, I know at some point, you no know, time uh, that Kenny's going to get it going. Reese will end up getting going, and, and that'll be fine. I was like, the ticking time bomb for me is when can they turn it around defensively and put like fear into people's eyes of, hey, we don't want to play the Raptors because this is how scary they were. And that never really hit, uh, you know, as the season went on. I feel like when you made the trade and you got dimes, it's like, cool, this makes you an even better offensive team that you were before because Reese isn't really a ball handler, whereas dimes, right? Main positions, point guard, you put Kenny at point guard and you know you can really slot him at the one or two. So I think that's that's really like my biggest knock. I think even maybe with Dimes this season, like if you had him from the jump, from like the tip-off tournament going onwards, you might be able to see a different type of season because you might have the ability to outscore your opponents. Kind of like how the Nets played. They never had the greatest defense, but they would go out there and put up like points and bunches. So maybe it could have been different in that regard. But yeah, it was the, I think that the biggest assessment I had was just that defense just never got it figured out. And obviously like you take defensive player of the year off of the lockdown position, you put him at the four. I don't know if he went to the five at one point too, but it's like that, that was the weirdest thing for me. It's like, how does the defensive player of the year go from playing the lockdown position to all of a sudden moving to like one of these more role player positions. And so, yeah, that, I think that's my assessment. I think it would have been different if like a dimes trade, right. Happened before the season, they went in just for the scoring, but um, yeah, I think it was, it was more just shocking. I think anytime a team goes undefeated one season and all of a sudden has that big of a drop off, you you sit there kind of scratching your head. It's like, okay, like what, what's really going on? 
Yeah, and that was tough for me, man. You know, uh, we're scrimmaging a lot, right? And the guys are experimenting, and you just randomly see this series where the guys would try something, and you know, I'm not there. We don't. I have to get COVID tested twice just to get to the house and see the guys. You know, so it was, it was a big lift. So I'm not there for every practice. Kev, yeah, Kev got on their COVID testing program, so you could sort of assign one person in the organization to be the person who gets access to the players, and you know, he had to live a very sheltered life all season and, and had to be there for you know two COVID tests a week week kind of thing but um you know i would just see a box score come through and like timely be at the five all of a sudden and they were really experimenting and there were scrims where like all of a sudden you know the you know the results were starting to come through with people at different positions but i still felt the whole time and you you heard it in content and interviews i was doing that like we needed to get to a point where everybody felt comfortable in the core positions like this team more than any team we've ever had was picked you know in specialized roles you know we knew what we had at point guard we knew what we had a shooting guard we knew our center we knew our lock and then we really had trey and josh you know both fighting for that power forward position and they were great options for us at power forward tons of chemistry with our guys you know you know great teammates you know we'd had them in the bell five house before and so you know given that that's more of a role player role we felt confident and you know when timely kind of demoted himself quite frankly off of lock you know it was frustrating and for anyone who's keeping up with our content you know really what happened is you know tensions got high people missed expectations there was a lot of pressure on us coming into the season and we had to really stick hand you know some frustrations early in the season and you know talk very openly to the team about like you know are we giving this another kick are we do we give up do we start looking for trades right now um and we had this great day where we all went out on the beach and we just got out of the basement and stopped playing the game and everybody kind of bonded and we had a really good team meeting the next day uh and i just said like let's just everyone lock in it's going to take a couple weeks for us to get you know comfortable again but let's just get back to our core positions and we had a really good run heading into the turn uh and i thought okay if this team performs in the turn then we'll keep it together and we'll give them a shot to close out the season we didn't uh and that's when i went and uh you know looked at what was available in the trade market and already had a bit of an idea and it was as i said in the last podcast it was a really cold trade market like point guards like dimes like organizations don't part with them for less than a first round pick under almost any other circumstance and i feel like we were able to capitalize on that yeah i think you guys yeah i think you guys like i love the the whole bonding aspect you 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 described i feel like if you guys have been able to just i don't know put it together a little bit quicker like it it would have had more time to evolve especially like to dirt like if you guys were able to get dimes there quicker i think maybe it would have had a different result. Cause it's not like you guys aren't a, a good team. You know what I'm saying? Like you just didn't put it together good enough. If that, if that makes sense, I know you don't have any emotional attachment to the Shane and I'm, you know, but it is the Raptors podcast. So I'm not just going to openly be like, well, you played like shit. So that's why you didn't get anywhere. Okay. But you didn't play like shit. You guys were actually great. You guys were actually great. Just fell a little short of expectations, but it happens. That's just how the league goes. Uh, one great season, one fall-off season, and then we'll see what you can do in season number five. But uh, everybody here obviously got a chance to see what these teams could do in the playoffs, okay, in the finals, because it was live from Dallas. That was insane to me. Dirk, you were actually there, my guy. You were actually there. You had an opportunity to obviously cast me in one of the voices of 2K. How did it feel to just get back in person and just just hear all the trash talk, the energy, the atmosphere just just break that down for me because I'm jealous that I couldn't be there myself. No, it's crazy going from, you know, the, the last in-person event that we did was season two finals. And Phil, you know, you know how that was that we had like an issue with the game. There was a five yep. hour delay. Like it, we it was no joke. Pokemon we Go for like five hours. Yep. 
we we left the studio. I'm taking <laughs> naps upstairs. I'm talking to LD2K, trying to dig and get new information about the new game. Like we're playing right. board games. <laughs> hey, we didn't get done until like two o'clock in the morning. And so that's the last memory that I had of of being in person. So I was joking around all weekend long, and they hated me for it. I'm like, man, you know, last <laughs> time we're in person, this happened. Like, what's bound to happen next? Luckily, <laughs> there there was no issues that ended up going on. But it was right. cool because. The last in-person 2K League event that I was at was obviously the Season 3 draft. Uh, but in in terms of like gameplay was was the Season 2 finals. So after being remote for all of Season 3, you know, having maybe some glimmer of hope that, hey, the finals could at least be in person or this might be yep. in person, like hearing rumblings. Then going into this season where it, it was like, I'd probably say like an 85% chance of in-person play was going on. It seemed like something they were dead set. All of a sudden, like, I, and then we all start questioning every meeting that we had leading up to it. Harris kept on sitting there saying, so we're still going to be in Dallas, right? Because obviously the new variant, <laughs> like all this other stuff factored in, like, are we still going to be there? And Harris had this mindset of like, I won't believe we're in Dallas until I get on a plane, land in <laughs> Dallas physically, that we're going to be playing in person. And I wasn't saying anything. I'm like, man, I just hope it doesn't get to like two days before I'm supposed to leave. And then they say, you know what? We're going to have to do this remote. Because I already had Oof. torn down my entire setup. I threw the backdrop downstairs because it wasn't working properly. <laughs> I just whipped it down my staircase. But getting back in person, one, seeing all the players that we used to see on a weekly basis was yeah. awesome. It's because we have so much a close attachment to them compared to anybody else. But then two, seeing maybe new prospects. I met some at the Season 3 draft, but didn't get to meet a lot of the other ones that were drafted this past year. So that's still always my favorite part is, you know, creating all those type of connections and finally being able to, you know, put like, you know, you know, face to voice, but just being able to physically, you know, see them. But man, the energy was insane. I knew it was going to be right because you got two years of pimped up like, you're in quarantine. You've been playing remotely. A lot of frustrations. Now you finally get to let every ounce of that out on stage. And it was right from the jump. Our our desk uh, when we were there was actually turned away. And I like commentating standing up regardless. So I'm like walking around. But I'm I'm commentating off a of TV, like with some of their monitors from afar while looking at this game over here or looking at that game across the distance. <laughs> and just here and I'm just rip into each other it, it was like you remember the tiffy treatment season one where like they targeted oh, yeah. tiffy that oh yeah there's a lot of like that one player would get up it and stand up like that is like you just messed up then they all just start going at them so the energy levels honest I, I said it on the very first day of the playoffs i said to scott I was like i have never seen this type of energy on a 2k league stage before it, it was unlike anything i've seen the past like four uh three seasons who yeah, would you I, say let me, let me, let me ask go <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Phil. Go. No, I was just going to say, who who do you think benefited the most from that? Like, what team do you feel like was just in with the shits? Who, who was just all over everybody at any given point? So, at the start, so here's a couple things. One, the Nets had a really interesting strategy. Nets weren't talking any trash to anybody um, mm. until somebody talked to them. And then they let him have it. Like they were just going wild at him. There's a little clip. I think it was Crown from the Hornets says something to Chalk about his cowboy hat. And then Chalk says, Oh, so you want to talk? All right, you just lost. And that was, I think, I, I don't know if that was like in some point in game two. Nets go out there, do their thing, and ended up beating them. But there were some teams where like all five players were constantly up. Like the Jazz were a big one um with everybody in their team like Bezos is is one of the loudest guys that we have in the entire league so they were just constantly going to people until they got to the finals where you meet the Wiz and if you if you're watching particularly for the first time you would think that awkward is like 
the leader of that team. You would think that he is number one because of how crazy he was going on stage. But we all know it's like, all right, it's 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 Dave Fry's squad, right? That's like the vocal leader. But so I mean, I'd say I'd say with the Wiz, I mean, it was it's very balanced. You know, uh, a lot of game one energy. Then it kind of settled down. I think the butterflies and the adrenaline, you know, went away a little bit. Head into that game two, you lock in a focus a little bit more. Then it starts to pick back up in that game three. But with trash talk, whoever's winning, they're just going to keep on ripping into them regardless. So I, I'd, I'd say, I mean, it just benefited the champs just because awkward was awkward's trash talk reminding me a lot of like Call of Duty trash talk um, in, in that regard. <laughs> with the way that he was standing up, stomping, yelling, pointing. You know, a lot of the players stepping onto the cake top, walking over to the other side, which we know, like we all know that, right? That's a that's a big, 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 big no no. And that's, that's all they're doing right is there. just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're all like breaking all these rules that they were set the past like three seasons. So but yeah, I I I'd probably say I'd probably say the champs. I think they uh anytime somebody tried trash talking them, that gets them going. And then when they're winning, just it's uh, really it's just two people trash talking you. It's nobody else. It was just awkward and day fry, but those account for like four people total. Well, and people were asking questions about the champs going into it because we've never seen JBM on land. And I mean, mm -hmm. look, the guy's such a phenom that, you know, I really, in my mind, wasn't doubting him, but certainly it was like an, a possibility, like, hey, maybe he won't be comfortable, you know, on a different setup and playing on land and, you know, in front of people for the first time. But obviously that didn't end up being the case. And just to, you know, the, the sort of intensity of the trash talk and also just leaning into the nets for a second. Interesting from your perspective in the studio that, you know, they really were only sort of reacting to people talking to them. Them because Kev, who runs Team Ops on our side, you know, who joined us last season, season three for the first remote season, he's never seen a season on land before. And so he was sending me that one clip of the Nets just going crazy after the game. And he was like, dude, is this like, is this normal? Is this what it's always like? And I said to him, like, there have been moments, you know, there was that one viral moment on SportsCenter that happened in the studio in New York. Um, but definitely seemed like the playoffs this year were at like a, a, an intensity that, you know, to be honest, I guess in hindsight makes sense because there's all this like pent up energy but at the same time like we're not conditioned to it right so i could have seen a scenario where everybody gets into the studio and they forgot how to trash talk or it's just not quite as intense but my last point on this is you know as someone who watches a lot of esports and didn't come up playing 2k or, or sports sims in general i think this aspect of our league is like one of the most exciting things you know and, and even you, you talk about call of duty like you know they're known for their trash talk but even cdl has gotten a little bit soft lately where like when someone trash talks it's like it becomes this whole drama online and like you almost aren't allowed to do it anymore whereas our league embraces it and i love that about the 2k league i think it's like the thing that makes us different you know what shane i couldn't agree more you know it, it seems like esports trash talk in general is getting softer and softer we just kind of let these players not keep get it personal but let them you know have some fun with it because i think the crowd in general enjoys the entertainment as well yeah man it's 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 it creates the drama it creates the storylines you know the the beef and the drama in the nba uh you know even yeah. you look at like you know rap like the the you know look at yay and drake like i saw rick ross earlier <laughs> saying like I, I don't even know if drake and yay are like all that worked up about any of this stuff I like they're the both good thing, you know? like they're rich they don't care yeah, yeah they're super rich they're good they're good but it just it oh, gives everyone great. something to talk about and it creates content and it creates attention and look i mean the most viral moment in 2k league history was this the fight on stage let's call a spade a spade right that was the thing <laughs> that went on sports center so that was wild. Man, i'm still it's still wild that we, there's like no videos of the aftermath of that like not even like recorded on like a phone because i, I always tell i just tell everybody that because they're like oh um 
You know, it's like I've heard of the 2K League. I've seen this clip of like Dr. Disrespect reacting where he's like, who, where, who are the producers? Fire them. Like, this is the most entertaining <laughs> thing that we've seen. And so, but like, there's no video of like everything because that went on for like another 10 minutes afterwards, but there's yeah. not a single like anything. So fun fact, if I can share, I think I told you this, Dirk. I did from this, because I was at the host perch or whatever. I did record. I was recording on my phone. I can't remember who came out from the back, but they had me delete it. Because I guess they could oh. see on the monitors in the back that I was recording. So they had me delete it, and I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll just restore it later. And they're like, can you go to your recently deleted and please delete it again? Wow. I was like, they know the iPhone oh, tech. No. I was blown away. So, yeah, I, I had some footage of it, but they weren't having it. <laughs> Lo- were- lost opportunity. Wow. Oof. Right? <laughs> it was rough. But, yeah, that was, that was pretty nutty. Um, I, I would agree that, you know, it's all about the excitement. And the league has its own unique way of doing that, whether it be trash talk, just through the game, just the excitement in general that uh, you all get to kind of enjoy. But also, like, as, as cool as it is getting to be in person and have it kind of, you know, contested like that, what, like, how tough were, like, the travel restrictions, like, the quarantine? Like, were you guys allowed to interact outside of the studio? Because I wasn't sure if, like, they locked you down inside your hotel rooms, you know, like, quarantine until you could actually, like, you know, be in person and stuff like that. And you have to get tested and all this other stuff, even if you're vaccinated. So this is this is something I will give credit to the NBA for, because I worked uh, an NBA event uh, during COVID. It was a G League elite camp. It was my first mm-hmm. ever, like, non-basketball one. But it was also um, one of the first events that the G League had done, like, on Twitch. It was a pretty big deal, right? You got all these prospects coming out of college, you know, trying to get their bid into the combine. And so that was like an all vaccinated only event. Um, and again, this is before the variant. So everything was like loosened up, right? We were vaccinated. It's like, cool. You go get tested. Once you're tested, you're clear to go. But I mean, I was driving back and forth to get tested once. Now for this, as what I say is like the NBA is such a, an amazing job with this. So when we got there, you had to go immediately as soon as you landed, go check into your hotel. Uh, and then once you get the one of the testing windows, you just go get tested. And then 12 hours later, I think it was it was about like 12 hours, 20, it was about 12 hours later. So I got tested like two. I got my results back at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, obviously, they're not going to send my results wow. at like 4 a.m. Be like, hey, yeah, you can go do whatever. So <laughs> you're basically just I mean, my flight would like land at 10. I'd get there. I'd get tested. Just go straight up to my room. Um, and, you know, just you, you could they gave you like meal vouchers, too, for the hotel. So it was like a $25 credit. So I was just ordering food. You can order, you know, your Uber Eats. You can order whatever you're using and then get it delivered up to your room. So it it wasn't as bad as like people are making it out to be um, in terms of that. Now, in terms of restrictions, when we were there, uh, we we were told very strictly, you know, try not to talk to players. Obviously, if they come up to you, what are you going to do? Walk six feet away? Be like, no. Like, so that, that was just one of the rules. Just to, just obviously like player safety, right? Like that's the thing you want to value. And you don't want to be the person to ruin the event for everybody. Like right. you don't want to be that guy. Like for like uh, maybe, you know, you get there, I test positive and I go up and, you know, dap up a player. That player goes and dap up someone else. And all of a sudden you're just like, well, you just ruined, you know, the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now they got to fly home or they got to play from the hotel. So yeah, there were a lot of restrictions in place. Uh, and it was it, for the most part, uh, we had like restrictions, right? Don't go into crowded places. You know, you're not going to go to a concert. Don't go to a baseball game inside bar, like outside stuff was all good. If there was outside and you could be, you know, six table or sorry, six feet apart, like with the tables and everything. Sure. You don't go crazy. You want to go sit down and eat at a restaurant. You just want to go eat in a restaurant, like go, go ahead and do that. So for, it was kind of got to interact with players a little bit. Uh, 
and again, it was very just like brief. You could have some maybe off the record, like some the closer interactions with them. You down in the hotel lobby, you just get back from the event. You know, you could sit there, chop it up a little bit. But it was most like broadcast talent was with broadcast talent. The players would be with them, maybe like fist bump, walk away. You know, just don't keep the conversation going on too long. So no, they yeah. did it. Like it was, it was flawless. I mean, I don't think there was any any hiccups throughout the entire process, going from the very first week of the playoffs all the way even up towards. Uh, you know, going into the finals uh, with with that. So, I mean, there obviously there are restrictions in place. You have to wear your mask uh, when you're in the obviously in the place of the whole time when we're broadcasting. We didn't have to just because we're up on stage and uh, you don't want to have to be commentating with a with a mask on the entire time. So, but yeah, no, it, it was it was very you know on point uh, from top to bottom with you know all the people that were working on staff making sure all that ran well. Uh, you know, the, the testing. Again, it's the, all the players are making this big deal. So I'm like dreading. I get on my flight. I'm seeing all these tweets of like, I'm in prison. I can't do anything. All this. And I'm like, oh my God, is it going to be this bad? I just get to my room and I'm like, damn, what do I do now? I'm like watching South Park. I'm, I'm pacing, walking around. I'm like laying upside down on the couch. I'm laying upside down on my bed. I'm like, you know what I need to do? I need some alcohol <laughs> to, to, to get me through this. So I'm like, you know what? Let me log on Uber Eats real quick. Let me order like a 24 pack of this. And that's what got me through the quarantine. <laughs> like that's, that's literally got what got me through. I had to like find entertainment for myself because it's so I, I spent almost like half my quarantine. My room was on the 15th floor and it was overlooking the inside of this like center i don't even know what you want to call it so it's like the hotel had one side had a view of dallas the other side had the view of like the inside i could literally see business conferences going on a meeting in this room and i remember taking a picture and sending it to harris i'm like what the hell are they talking about it was like a, a police lamborghini in this thing and i said what could what could they possibly be discussing in this room so and i'm looking i'm looking down i'm watching this person eat lunch and the person looks at me and waves and i'm like oh I, I didn't think he saw it. I wave and quickly close my blinds. I'm like, all right, that's enough of people watching. I'm done with this. So it, it, it was it was good. It was not as bad. That whatever the players were posting on Twitter, it's not as bad as they were saying it was. It, it was hey, it was it was pretty easy. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go on my Twitter. Like, yeah, you, you want those likes. You know, it's, it gives people a, a lens in, I guess. And uh, you know, if it sounds worse, <laughs> then it's going to go more viral you for sure. You'd think they're on death row with the way that they were, but they somehow snuck in like a, a phone into prison or something. They're like, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, it was not that bad. Yeah. No, welcome I, to managing I, a team in the sense. 2K league. Hey, hey, Dirk, I know we want to, we want to talk about 2K22 here, but uh, on season four, before we move on, uh, I want some predictions from you. Who do you think is going to be rookie of the year, DPOY, MVP? Let's get some clickbait going. So I think I think rookie of the year six thirty. Uh, that's like not even close. Um, that's that's yeah. clear cut number one. Defensive player of the year I think is either going to go to Awkward or Day Fry. And it's weird because you know how it is, right? These awards are supposed to be regular season awards, but the voting like started after the. I think it went out like midway through the playoffs, right? For like the ballots and, and all that. So I don't know, like, because usually you leave it up to the the regular season, and then you're getting the votes in as the playoffs going through. You already have the results, so I don't know how much you know. You're not supposed to factor that in, but I think it'll be awkward or day fry probably for defensive player of the year, and then for MVP, I'm going to say six thirty again as well. Um, I just think really, 
And yeah, I, I think I think we're in for like a season one, right? Where obviously, if you're MVP, you're rookie of the year because it's the mm-hmm. first season. So, I, but I, that's what I think it's going to be. I and I've played pickups and stuff since we've been home, and I've watched him play. And I'm like, the, the guy's just different with the way that he yeah. plays the game. And again, with the Pacers, have always had this track record of having, you know, when they had Ramo, obviously had a good season, but never being able to get a point guard. They finally get a point guard, and look what they did. Um, obviously not the results that they wanted in the playoffs, but even his playoff performance too was insane with what he was doing in terms of like what a point guard is supposed to be able to do. So I, I got 630 MVP. I got a rookie of the year. I got DPOY more than likely awkward or day fry. It's funny because uh, Kev, who I mentioned, you know, I was hitting him up because we can only submit one vote for the team, right? So I wanted his perspective on this. And he said the same thing. I, I didn't have 630 in my MVP list because I figured, well, he's rookie of the year for sure. And Kev's like, I think he gets both, dude. And I was like, wow, that's, I haven't even thought about that, but that's nuts. And to hear it from you, you're, you're probably the most educated, you know, mind in the game. And then, you know, on that, shout out Cody. Uh, you know, I was ch- chatting with Scott Cole literally the other day and uh, we were just talking about Cody and like, I've always had a great deal of respect for him. And I just think the Pacers organization has just done everything right uh, from the beginning. And I just always had this, like expectation that Cody was going to be able to put together great teams and like you said I mean if you miss on a point guard you don't have a chance you know and it's tough like scouting pro-am for the 2k league has been really tough up until this point because it's a totally different game and you don't know what you're going to get when the 2k league build comes out so you know I don't know if if you know the it was scouting challenges or or whatnot but I know it was just great to see you know Cody's efforts kind of pay off this year and I got a lot of respect for him and Spencer and all the things that they do over at the Pacers gaming yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we all know it. Again, like I, I think you guys are like number one in terms of just how you you guys run thing, and the Pacers are like another one of those you know top tier teams when it comes down to that. So it, it was good to finally see them, you know, like take it. Well, I don't even want to say take a chance on a guy, but you know, finally get their guy that Indiana has yeah. needed for a while because they've always had like Wolf and Swizz. Those are always the two guys that are uh, retained by them. And it's always good to have that, but any team that you see builds a good foundation in this league, the retainment process always point guard and center. Got to have those. And they've been in an awkward position where it's like, cool, we got small forward and shooting guard. We don't have that. We don't have that guy. So you just have to sit there and keep on shooting your shot every time the draft rolls around. It's like, okay, is this guy going to be okay? He wasn't. What, what are we going to do? You know, midseason, we're going to trade one of our main, are we going to trade like Wolf and see if we can get a point guard for that? Like point guard right. for small forts is not going to happen. It's got to be like guard for guard or, you know, guard for elite level big man or, or something like that. So, yeah, it, it, I, I was really happy uh, to see, you know, all the success that they had this season. And now, like you bet your bottom dollars that going forward, right? If you have 630, They're you're going to be in prime to keep making yeah. playoff pushes every single year. So, yeah, I, I think MVP, again, if you were to give a second, it's probably 630 or Kai uh, from the T-Bulls. But I, I, I have a pretty good feeling it's probably going to be 630. I, You know, aside of all that, one thing I really liked about uh, Season 4, like before we even move on to Season 5 speculation, 2K22 speculation, that double ticket team idea is godlike. I'm gonna throw that out there. I thought that was was brilliantly done. Is that something like will they bring that back for season? Do you know? Like I'm imagining I mean, the conferences is gonna remain because the teams keep expanding. Yeah, I mean conferences was amazing. Like I love the conferences. Right. Obviously, okay, good. You got to balance them out. So geographically, right? You got you got Cleveland in the West Coast, and they're like the thing is like the most East Coast out of like the teams that are in the West. So it's it's yeah, a little bit you know you you gotta you gotta make do with what you have. 
but right. no, the conferences were great. The only knock I think that we've all had, we had a lot of conversations about it, was like there's no money up in the ticket finals. And what do you see the B five do? They come out with like a troll lineup, bash at center, like this person right. a guard, and. I know for like me and Scott, when we got to commentate, it, it's supposed to make a finals, right? So you, you want to hype it up and bring energy. I'm not bringing energy when you're changing up and putting a, a guard at center. I was like, that's just not, it's not possible to do that. It just like, it makes you not motivated to commentate the game for one. You're just like, I just want to get this over with. It's like, let yeah. me, I just want to, you know, get, get the stream over with. So, I mean, I don't know because that's the thing. It's fun with the ticket. The playoff teams don't participate in it. Uh, and also, like, if you throw money in, you either got to give bonuses to the teams that make the playoffs, like up the pay exactly. to balance it out, or, you know, you can't just like put a whole separate prize bowl saying, hey, you're really bad this year. Here's extra money if you're able to, you know, make your run through this. So, I, I mean, I, I got full faith in them. I like the strategy, too, of like, okay, one team from the West, one team from the East, boom, they go into the playoffs. It's just a matter of how can you change it up to make it more competitive so we don't have a repeat of what happened in this ticket finals with teams just, you know, not trying their hardest with specific lineups. Put yeah, some damn I'm money on, on the, it. You uh, just said it best. Yeah, yeah but I'm, so I'm on the competition committee, right? So we had to kind of figure this model out this year. And that is the challenge, though. If you put up a prize money for all the teams not in the playoffs, you basically just have to play the playoff teams or pay the playoff teams a bonus, right? Because the playoff teams are going to be frustrated if they don't get to compete in a tournament based on the merit of having played well all season where there's prize money on the line. I wasn't convinced from the beginning that we needed that like cross finals at the end. I just felt like the East finals and the West finals were like great culmination points. Mm -hmm. You don't need to necessarily see them play each other you know the the one issue is is like the league had this really cool idea and this is kind of an example of like a startup coming up with a concept that really works but then as things evolve and you you kind of got to like let some things die even if you're kind of you know you can't get too married to them and one of yeah. them was this idea of like the banner chain so so the three tournaments across the year if you won each of them it formed this like plaque and we have the two we have the ticket and the tip off and and the and the turn uh on our wall in the basement and we put them up with a big gap for the ticket and we really felt like we were going to fill that gap and we had a great content concept in mind if we won we were going to digitally like put it in there um but you know so that was the thing they were kind of holding on to is like how do we announce one winner of the ticket so that way they can still get this piece of the banner chain and not just like give two of them away which also kind of devalues the trophy right so it it's does. kind of like i think we're too we're too married to the banner chain concept given that in season one you know it, it wasn't structured this way fair enough well i mean the fact that you're on, I didn't know you were on the competition committee, first of all. Uh, so, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so pay me, my, you, pay me my respects. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good stuff, good stuff. Hopefully, uh, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you guys will make the necessary changes to kind of uh, amplify, you know, just how important it is to really go out there and just play your hardest throughout the entirety of the ticket tournament, even when you've kind of locked in a guaranteed spot in said conference. But uh, with that said, let's talk season five a little bit, right? I don't really... I'm really hoping, right, that it's going to be all in person. I don't know a start date. I don't think any of us actually know a start date, right? We just know it'll be sometime next year. It'll be for 2K22. It'll be awesome. What is one thing, Dirk, that you think Season 5 must have with it? What has to come along with Season 5? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, In-person play, fully. Um, I think that... A lot of like what was going on for the playoffs and finals, almost like a little testing thing, right? And I'm not saying like bring all all you know teams that we have in the NBA 2K League out to an event, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. like stagger it, structure it, however which way you can. Uh, so I think I think season five just trying to get basically everything you know in person 
And, you know, I always say in esports, remote should be the absolute last resort for any esport, right? I We're agree. all gamers. We know latency. It, it's just not, it's not the same vibe. The amount of positivity I saw about the playoffs and finals was insane. Of like, man, I didn't watch the league all year, but you guys went back in person. I was locked in again. It's like, I just, I can't watch in there. So I would say that. Um, and then, you know, some other things, it, it I've always been a big advocate for trying to have some sort of free agency pool to where, say, if a, I, I think with a lot of players, there's always complacency every single year. Like, cool, I'm in. If I just, you know, if I'm a good person and I'm not toxic, I'm not doing anything to, to breach my contract, I'm going to have a spot in this league, at least for this yeah. entirety of the season. So I get to collect my check. And I think that's one of the, like, the biggest issues with, uh, you know, some of these players is that they have that mindset and that they're protected. And so I would like to see a peer to where it's like, dude, I can give you a warning. And if I want to take it to that next step and I can like kick you off the team and I want to bring in this hungry guy who went undrafted, I yes. think that could be an absolute game changer. And I know, I know that yes. it's probably deeper than that, right? With contracts and everything. But I think even with what the Pistons went through this year, like with, just all the obstacles they did of getting, you know, they had about, I think it was like three or four different players come from like the free agency pool. And those guys coming in, they hooped. Like they looked amazing. Totally. Killy got picked up again. Uh, I, I mean, Heat. Cooks like Idris not being in the Idris not getting drafted was crazy. Like, you know, if I had known Idris wasn't going to get drafted, like we might've rethought our draft a little bit, you know, differently to be honest with you. Cause I mean, he's obviously a great you know, power forward, especially defensively. I mean, you know, as you said, we struggled on defense, and he could have been, he could have been a different make, difference maker for us. And, and Dirk, let's call yeah. a spade a spade. I mean, we, you know, uh, behind the scenes, you know, you might not know of these meetings, but we kind of paved the path for teams to have that flexibility because we all know what happened with Juan with us last year, right? And I, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, just you know, you know, you know pulling back the curtain and, and giving people an honest look into the situation and I'll be respectful of, of Juan the individual but I was like as cordial with him as could possibly be like it went from I had one-on-one -on -one meetings with all of our players and everyone was like praising him and like teams looking great and by the way like this kid's so good like he might be our starting center and you know, no, no disrespect to Jerry and you know Jerry was you know uh, second team and and uh, you know huge huge part of our 16-0 season but in boot camp like there was talks of like hey maybe we should just try Juan at center because this kid can hoop and so you know end all those one-on-ones the next day I get a message from Juan like saying he wants to go home and I'm like what like what just happened in the last 24 hours at the house that I'm not aware of <laughs> and so I went and met with him and talked to him and I'm trying to like figure out like what is it and you know it was a culture shock and he wanted to be back in Miami and he wanted to be you know eating his food and around his people and, and that sort of thing and you know he was just kind of uncomfortable in Canada is what he was saying to me essentially and we were like handcuffed by it and we told the league like look this guy doesn't want to play here there's nothing we can do about it he's not gelling with the team in the house it's creating a really bad energy for our team like we got to send him home and even just sending him home was a huge challenge you know we had to uh, agree that you know he would remain technically a rostered player of the team he would get his paycheck and he would earn one-sixth of all the prize money and as you know we won what some prize money crap? that year yeah, it was crazy. So, so we, you know, we kind of raised that it. alarm and we said, we said, listen, they have to play, you know, and there's reasons for that. It's because from a contrasting perspective and an immigration perspective, like there are challenges and, you know, the league is not set up to be able to, uh, you know, allow just like 
players coming in and out constantly throughout a season, but we really push like, hey, the players have too much leverage here. You can't have players in the 2K league like holding out and demanding trades and refusing to play because there's just not enough depth in the lineup, right? And that all started like BP was the first one to kind of publicly say, I want to trade. And now it happens more and more often. And, you know, even with the changes this year, there are still opportunities for players to kind of do that and hold the team hostage a little bit. But I think that some of the things that they allowed, you know, the Pistons to do, for instance, kind of helped balance that a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, that's yeah, wild. I, I, I mean, again, like the Pistons, like what they went through was just, it, it was all stuff that they couldn't handle, right? You know, personal reasons and all this, and it was adjusting on the fly. But I also think that it puts into perspective, like, wow, you know, this could be possible that if a team is going through something, we know that we have the ability of guys that were in this draft pool that they could come in and, you know, that they're going to do their thing for however long they need to. Like, Killy's story is still one of the craziest for me because he, can't, he went undrafted, started playing post-draft, like made a finals. Played in the finals, got called up to the Pistons, played for the Pistons, went home, made another two finals, got picked up by the Heat. Like, crazy bouncing back and forth. So, yeah, that, that that's honestly one of the, the big things. Again, like, it, it's this... I hate complacency in any regard. I don't care if you're a commentator, a coach, a player, whatever it is. Should never feel like your spot is, you know, guaranteed to do something or like you, like, oh, I, I deserve this. Like, absolutely doing the bare minimum, not being a good person. Like, okay, well, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, there are some players who are so good, you can be a diva, and you can get away with it because you're the best in the world. Like, no matter what, like, you're going to be a top player. You're going to find your way onto it. Yeah. yeah, so that's 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 honestly one of the the big things I I hope that it gets more chances. Give the guys because that's that's another thing, right? With the draft, will you go undrafted? Cool. Well, we'll see you next year for the the trial process. There's no yeah. sort of involvement from anybody that goes undrafted in that, unless there's an opportunity to to, to you know get called up to a team. Hundred percent. Well, uh, Phil, should we switch gears to two K twenty two? Dirk, there's been a yeah. lot of two K twenty two leaks coming out. Uh, you know, I was talking to my guy Agent Zero last night. He's like giddy with excitement because it's going to be a big month for him on YouTube with the game dropping. Um, and again, like you know, I think more than many other years like we've kind of gotten a sneak peek at, at what might be coming so like what have you seen what are you looking forward to what should everybody expect from 2k22 man i, I had the same thing i dm'd agent and i said i said man i was like i'm ready to hit because he agent would always hit me up uh this i guess the probably the least i've played 2k uh talking about like this past year uh with next gen okay. and stuff just focusing on the league you know not playing post draft just really sticking it to commentating and like living and having a social life. So I DM agent. I was like, man, I'm ready for any content opportunities. Like, okay, what are you going to be on? I said, wherever the content goes. And he was literally like, same here. It's like, I don't care if it's next gen or current gen. Um, so no, like from what I've been seeing from 2K22 so far, and it's a diff- it's weird like watching a game compared to when you actually play it. Uh, I was a big fan of how next gen played. It's, I'm kind of like the, you know, the minority of that aspect. A lot of people are like, oh, I love current gen. I, I you know, I'm not a big fan of it. I personally always liked how next gen played. I like the the free flowing, like different movement system. It didn't feel as uh, restrictive as it did in the current gen. And from what I've been seeing, it's a lot of the same, but the game speeds increased. And Shane, I know I don't know if you noticed this too. The league build game speed was faster than retail, and it was noticeable when you played the league build. And then when you went back to retail, you're like, man, I feel so slow. This year, the game speed, from what I've been seeing, and people are like, yo, set the game speed to normal. I was like, no, it is normal. This is how it looks. Like, dribbling has gone back to, uh, like, that 2K16, 2K17 way of dribbling where it's just very fast-paced, being able to string things together. And that's awesome to watch. It's very exciting uh, for people to be able to sit there and, like, the dribble heads can finally be dribble heads. 
Uh, but it's yeah. also going to be equally as exciting for the guys who just play a lot more passive to go through. So I think for me, that's that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed is just the game speed and, and you know some of the new dribbling aspects of it. Uh, I, I think that's what really builds a foundation for the popularity because, I mean, when you're looking at a lot of big content creators in the game of NBA 2K, a lot of them are point guards, right? That's where they that's where they, they make their money. It's so rare to find huge YouTubers who play center full-time or play power forward full-time. It's always point guards because they're flashy. It's what people want to watch. It's the most entertaining. So that's, that's what I always know is great. Um, and then obviously there's people who are like, dude, I, I swear, some of these guys in a 2k community should be hired by like the fbi or cia because they're so good at like they're, they're going in the trailer and they're like oh i see the anti-up logo deep in the back but you can only see the top half of the a like this and it's like cool there's gonna be 24 7 stage or they freeze this there's a chips ahoy sponsor or like on a billboard so it's like oh new chips ahoy event is instead of like a <laughs> like like those little things that they're able to spot and find out I'm like how like this this just yeah. makes no sense to me so I, I don't know i'm just like yeah, this is the first, I mean, let's be honest, right? Gaming's in a very weird spot all the way around. It, it's very stale. You feel like you're just getting the same product. This is the first time I'm genuinely, like, very excited for a drop. And I haven't had the feeling that I have now probably since back to, like, 2K19. And so it's been a couple of years where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm super amped. I'm super excited to grind. It's the first year I'm like, dude, I, I can't wait to get back into competing again, you know, streaming and, and all that fun stuff. So I, th and it's crazy. This is the most positive. I think I've seen the 2K community like days prior to a launch ever. Like I, 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 I've, it, it scares me. I'm like, wait, when did everybody become so positive? <laughs> Just a couple months ago, everyone was like crapping on the game. No information where we're starting to like, you know, see some information and it's been, you know, majority positive. I really haven't seen a lot of people going on Twitter like, oh, no, this is terrible. This is going to be bad. Maybe something like the dunk meter stuff. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know. I'm, I'm holding I'm holding my I'm biting my tongue until I can go in there and see how many dunks I end up missing. But I, I think I think it's going to be a good year. And we know on the league build is always built off of patch one 2K. So whatever we get at the beginning and how it's going to be is more than likely what we're going to see in the future, uh, you know, when the league ends up tipping off. Obviously, with All-Star coming up, too, we get to see 2K22 uh, Pro-Am on, on there. So it kind of gives a little, you know, a glimpse of what to expect uh, when Season 5 rolls around. Well, that sounds pretty sick to me. I think, uh, or at least from what I see, like the fact that uh, you actually have everyone, like, talking positive, that's mm -hmm. such a, a, a 180 from what I've seen in the past, you know, because it seems like... Sometimes people would just like get a little tight at the way they take the direction of the game. Um, obviously, for the league, it's kind of like adapt or perish. Like we already understand that. Um, do you think this game will be different enough, though? Like this is kind of uh, going back a little bit to season four. But you think it'll be different enough where we the Wizards won't have a chance to like get a three peat? Like, <laughs> like <'cause> so, honestly, <laughs> I no, feel like that well, team just, is just crazy, bro. Like so that. here's the thing. Here's the thing you have to, to factor in. This is where I'm not jealous of Shane's job with like retainment, <laughs> uh, protecting, and all this stuff, right? If now if there's expansion teams, the Wizards are in trouble because they're losing a player, and they're losing it. Right. You, you got to make a decision because you're like, okay, JBM and Dave Fry, that's your guarantee. You got to make a decision between one of the best lockdowns in the world or the winningest player in the 2K League. And if you don't get one of them, one of them is going to an expansion team, and it completely ruins everything. Even the Wiz at the beginning of the year when they put LeBron in instead of Dini at power forward looked like a completely different team. Defense is okay, but it wasn't at the level that they could be at now. 
So that that's going to be their ultimate demise is is the retainment protection expansion draft process. But in terms of how the actual game goes, I think a lot of the just judging based on again from what we've been seeing, a lot of the movement still looks the same in terms of, you know, you can't get the same bump stills that you maybe got in season three that you can get in towards season four. So there's still going to be, you know, that gap overall. But a lot of it comes down to just, you know, what kind of system you run when you're talking about some badges. Are they going to be as impactful? Like the biggest game changer this year was the blinders badge in the game. That's back this year. Is it going to have the same amount of power as it did this past year? Because at the beginning of the year, it was like you didn't have that badge on. Everything was contested. As soon as you put it on, someone could look like they're right next to you and zero contest. So mm. now if that's the same, then yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because you have a team that's so already used to playing defense at a high level while also, you know, defending that badge. That badge isn't in the game. I think their defense gets even better because now all of a sudden you're going to be getting more contests than maybe you wouldn't have before. So I, I'm going to wait till I get my hands on it, but judging based off of, you know, next-gen movement, pro probably still going to be similar engine from what we saw 2K21 next-gen going to 2K22 in terms of how the game is. Uh, so I, I probably think it's going to be pretty similar. So that that ups the chances, you know, of a, of a Wiz 3 Pete. And just to tie it back to us, Dirk, that, that blinders badge, I mean, that was different for me, right? As someone who doesn't spend a lot of the offseason, you know, uh, playing Pro-Am myself or, or watching a ton of it, you know, I've got people who kind of help me with that aspect, uh, including the players. When they came in and like, it felt like we were playing great D and you were just like beside the shooter and like, it was like almost a wide open shot. It was crazy. And then similarly, I just felt like we were never pulling in those same scenarios. You know, I, it just, it felt to me like my guys were still programmed to, if they're beside you, it's covered and we just weren't mm -hmm. taking those shots when they freed up you had to be like finger on the trigger ready to go and i i felt like that was a, a huge different maker oh do you guys hear that my doorbell just went off my <laughs> delivery has arrived one second here Damn, you got yours before mine okay i'll take uber eats delivering oh got the wrong side of the bag here delivering <laughs> me a delicious Classic Italian sandwich. Shout out Uber Eats. I'm going to go and enjoy that now. Uh, Dirk, Phil, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, I got one final question. Dirk, Great. if the game feels right, if it's hitting, oh, if you're no, with don't it, do this. are you trying it out? Brother? Are you, are we what a question. Yes, no. That's why we pay you the big bucks. What a question. I'll are we going to see Dirk the player? You, man. Talk to me, Dirk. Mm never ever again <laughs> like, you know how many times i got asked that like as soon as i made a tweet saying hey i want to start playing prime again you know how many like people in dallas are like yo you're gonna try for the league again all of a sudden like the 2k league staff is like dirk don't do this again i'm like no no, no. i'm like trust me it's like I, as much as i love competing and i love playing uh going through a whole draft process all the hype yeah. and then going undrafted is something that's not very fun uh believe it or not phil it, it's not so I, I sat there I'm like I'm like you know what I was like I'm good like I, I I'm perfectly fine with you know I end up as a commentator or I end up as something else the playing stuff you know it, it seems fun but that process I, I tell you there's never been a more stressful point in my life than going through that and the, the you know I was feeling confident going in but sitting there on draft night start sweating through my suit a little bit I'm like man is, is it hot in here you know, looking at the 10k cash performing looking at my watch like come on can we get this started like <laughs> classic, all this stuff baby. so Hey, we we, you we need you on the cast, Dirk. We need you hey. on the cast, and, and I don't want to see like noon sad boy hour tweets coming from you because I don't want to see you go through the stress of that one more time. 
Only only from 11 p.m. Central to 7 a.m. That's official sad boy hours time. All right, that's that's the official time on the schedule. But no, I I mean again, it would be it'd be fun to be a player, but that's that's behind me. I tried it that one year. You know, if it worked out, it worked out. It didn't. So, uh, I I mean, I still play and like stream, play pro am. You know, compete in that regard. Um, that that event that the that just got announced like out in Vegas in January. Maybe I'll go out there and compete. You know, get get the get my last little bit of trash talk out to these guys. Because Phil, let's let's be honest, I'm still better than half the people at the game well, of 2K. Of I'm no I'm no schmo, so I I can go in there, you know, kick some ass and 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 move forward. So that's that's what I plan on doing. I plan on doing that and then using it as trash talk going into the season when I go talk to some players. Love it. That's what makes you so it. good, man. It's what makes you so good on the cast is, is you know the game well. And, you know, Kenny has stopped me many times and been like, you know, Dirk really, when he talks, when he gives insights on the cast, like he knows what he's talking about. You know, no one else is picking up on these things that we're doing the way that the way that Dirk is. Uh, he's the GOAT. He's the CEO of the Sad Boys. Uh, Dirk, thanks for giving <laughs> us so much of your time here today, man. It's been great connecting with you. You're such a natural. Shout out Uber Eats for making this all possible and for delivering us lunch here. I can't wait to go and enjoy it. Reminder, this is episode two. We've got at least like eight more episodes coming in this series over the next six months um you know follow these guys on twitter uh check us out and uh and yeah we'll see how these 2k22 takes have aged by the time this podcast comes out (laughs) (laughs) dirk may have pie on his face (laughs) phil dirk it's been a pleasure appreciate it my man take care thank you as mentioned on today's podcast, the Uber Pass gets you free delivery on restaurants, grocery orders, plus ride perks. And they're also partnering with Aeroplan this month, September. So if you have an Aeroplan membership, you can use your mem- As mentioned on today's podcast, the Uber Pass gets you free delivery on restaurants, grocery, as well as ride perks. And they've partnered with Aeroplan this month. So if you're a member, you can get a free subscription to Uber Pass through your Aeroplan card or associated credit card. So make sure to check that out for a great deal.